The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome to another episode of the Vanguards of Healthcare podcast series. My name is Matt Henriksen, the Medical Technology Analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, which is the in-house equity research platform of Bloomberg. We are pleased to have with us today John Sheridan, CEO of Tandem Diabetes, a medical device company that is a key leader in the expansion of automated insulin delivery systems, or AIDs for short. These are the next generation of insulin pumps to help diabetic patients keep track of their glucose levels. You can dive deeper into the financials by typing in TNDM Equity Go on your Bloomberg terminal. John, thanks for joining us today. Nice to be here, Matt. And so, John, let's just start with um, how you got to become the CEO of Tandem Diabetes. Um, and how did you first get started in the diabetes space? Sure. Well, I, I actually started up as an engineer in the high-tech industry, working in semiconductors in the Boston area. And I did that for about 20-plus uh, years. I, I, you know, the, I'm, I'm from Florida, and the weather in Boston is not necessarily the greatest. It's a great city, but you know, the weather's there is lousy. And I had to, happened to come out to San Diego, um, and so if I ever have a chance to live in San Diego, I'm going to. And I uh, later on, I was able to get a job here working in a, a med tech company, a company that did cardiovascular imaging devices that required somebody who understood high tech. And that was really my beginning. It was in '98, and I've I've worked for four med tech companies since then, all. Uh, primarily cardiovascular until I joined Tandem and about 10 years ago. And um, I, as I first started out, I um, was just getting to know MedTech as well as working in a startup. And I, the, the chairman of the board of the company introduced me to Kim Blickenstaff. And Kim, Kim was the CEO of Biosite, another MedTech company here in town. And he served as a mentor for me, um, helped me understand how to deal with the complexities of a startup. Um, and it was, it was really a great advisor. And I kept that relationship going over time. And uh, in 2013, he reached out to me and said he had this role at Tandem. Would I be interested? And I jumped at it. Of course, I would be. And um, and so I started at that point. Now, Tandem had just started. Uh, they had just started to deliver the product to the market very early in their commercial uh, progress. I joined as the COO. I was responsible for R&D and the operations, manufacturing, quality, regulatory, those things, the internal functions of the business. And um, and so it was a it was a great experience for me. I have two very close friends who have diabetes. Um, and I've, I've known them since I was in grade school. And so I understand uh, that what, what, it, what it does to a person and how people have to just manage their lives differently when they've got it. But it was great. And Tandem has progressed through ups and downs in that time frame. And in 2019, the board and Kim asked me if I'd be interested in taking his role. He was going to retire and, and become the chairman of the board. I jumped at the opportunity um, and it's a it's a very rewarding role. It's very different than the operational jobs I've had before. But uh, again, working to help people with diabetes is the mission of the company, and we are very driven to uh, to make that happen as a as a business. 
That's fascinating. And, you know, you talk about you had two friends with diabetes and, you know, so you, you know what they're going through. They tell you their stories. But for listeners who, you know, don't have that in, that connection with someone who is going through diabetes, walk them through what, you know, what are these diabetic patients going through? Why do they need to have insulin? Um, and just kind of the, the, the trials and tribulations that they have to go through. Yeah. So typically, uh, if you have diabetes, you get it at a young age. And what happens is this autoimmune, a virus will attack your pancreas and stop it from working. And your pancreas generates the insulin that's required to regulate your blood sugar for the body. And if you don't have that, obviously, um, it's, it's a, a serious chronic disease and you, you, know, you don't live long unless it's treated properly. And so somebody who has insulin or somebody who has diabetes today has to think about it every second of every day. When they make any decision in their life, they really have to comprehend diabetes. And it can be overwhelming to, to, to that. And it can be overwhelming. And it's also, you have to carefully manage it. If you don't take enough insulin, or if you don't take enough, you can uh, get, you can get uh, high blood sugars and low blood sugars, which can ultimately end up in um, hospitalizations. And so I, when you look at them, this disease has been around for a long time. Um, in 1910, a gentleman named Banting invented a process to extract insulin from swine. And from that point on, people have been using syringes to inject insulin to manage their blood sugars. And that's essentially what the majority of people who have diabetes do today. They use pens and needles to give themselves insulin to manage their diabetes. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not ideal. I think that pump therapy is much better than that. We can provide much better control, much better therapeutic outcomes. And so we're, as, as a company, working to help people understand that, help them see the benefits of the therapy, and then just open the market up. Because as I said, when you consider the market today, the majority of people still use pens and needles and pumps are superior. Okay. And let's, let's dive a little deeper into kind of the insulin pumps and how they are beneficial for these patients. You know, how, how does AID technology actually work and what does it provide for the patients? Well, at the core, you've got a pump and the pump is uh, set up to deliver insulin automatically. Um, you also have a sensor and the sensor is, uh, is attached to your body and it uses Bluetooth to communicate directly to the pump. And then on the pump, you have an algorithm and the algorithm is a predictive uh, piece of software that takes this insulin information. It, uh, it, it makes an estimate of what your blood sugar is going to be in 30 minutes. And then it either suspends or delivers insulin to keep your blood sugar in control. If, if uh, somebody who has diabetes keeps their uh, blood sugar between um, 70 and 180 uh, milligrams per deciliter, they're essentially normal. And so that would be called in range. And so our ideal, our, de our desire is to get people to the point where they're in range for the majority of their time. And uh, we have shown that AID systems substantially improve that. And if people carefully manage their diabetes with AID systems today, they can be in range in the 80s and 90s percent, which is essentially the same as you and I have. Um, and, but e either way, even if, you're, if your time and range is poor, AID systems have been shown to substantially improve it. And in fact, the worse you are, the worse control you have, the greater the improvement that you see. And so it's, a, it's, you know, it's improvement in your therapy. And basically, you're, you're in control much more. And it also improves the quality of your life. You wake up feeling better. Um, you don't have these episodes of hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia, which result in, you know, you're physically sick when these things happen. And it's just difficult to live your life when that's going on. So uh, better therapy, better quality of life, and then better long, longer-term outcomes because diabetes can result in longer-term chronic situations with heart disease, vision problems, neuropathy, that, that really does uh, 
you know, cause end of life issues that um, are just not, they're just not desirable at all. Okay. And so what are, what are the products that Tandem currently offers? And then um, the press release came out about a month ago about the launch of a new device called Moby. Um, how does that differ from kind of your current technology as well as the like current competitive offering? Right. So the product that we have in the market today, we call it the T-Slim X2. And the T-Slim has been on the market for about uh, 10 years now. And when we first introduced it, it was just a pump. Um, we integrated it with a sensor from Dexcom. So we partnered with Dexcom, another local San Diego company. And then we actually integrated an algorithm on it. And so now the system is a, it's a fully, it's a, it's, it's a hybrid closed loop system that's we, that we called automated insulin delivery. And so that's the, that's the dominant product that we sell today. And today we have about 430 or 440,000 people who use our device worldwide. It's the number one rated AID system on the market. And um, it does substantially improve people's lives. And we, we hear it every day. And it's, it's very rewarding to see that. Um, we have a, our strategy as a business is to have a portfolio of products. You, I mean, we think that when you look at diabetes, it's very segmented. People have different needs, different desires, and how they wear, use, and interact with our system. And so we think you have to have multiple products to meet the different segments, the different diverse needs that people have. And so we anticipate that we're going to continue to sell the T-Slim. The T-Slim, by the way, is, it's a, it's a, looks like a, I would compare it to an Apple iPhone. It's a touchscreen device. The, the touchscreen is on the pump, very intuitive and easy to use. Really, that's where we focus our, our business is really on the, and to make it easy to use because we think easy to use simplicity drives adoption. Moby, the device that was just approved by the uh, FDA recently, is about half the size of the T-Slim. Um, it's about the size of a match, just if you've got a, a box, a matchbox, it's very small. Um, and it, it is controlled entirely by a mobile app. And so it's small, it's discreet, you can put it in various places on, various places on your body. And the fact that it's controlled by a mobile app allows people to interact with the device in a very discreet manner. I mean, typically when you're out and about, um, when you eat meals, you need to deliver yourself a bolus of insulin to, uh, to basically correspond to the meal you're having. And with Tandem Moby, because it's a mobile app, um, you can do that at the table with people sitting around with, and nobody knows you're delivering, you're managing your diabetes. Everybody, I mean, everybody's interacting with their phone these days. So you get, a, and it's also very convenient and easy to use. So there's a lot of advantages that come along with this mobile technology. And it's something that we've been investing in quite a bit in the last uh, few years. So this, this, this device here, um, Tandem Moby, will be a device that can, it uses a tube today. It has a, uh, it's, it's called an infusion set, but it's essentially a catheter that comes off the tube, off the, off the pump, and it's inserted into your abdomen or your arm or your leg, and that's how it delivers insulin. Um, Moby is also a device that will be, we're introducing a, a tubeless option, and it's, a, it's essentially a patch that'll be available here in the not too distant future. So you can have Moby as a, a tubed pump or a patch pump which we think is, again, very appealing. The flexibility of being able to use it in different wear modes is very important. And then ultimately, we have a device that we're bringing to market here in the near future called Siggy, which is a full patch pump. So those are the portfolio of devices. We have Mobi as our next generation device. Um, we're very excited to get approval. It's the smallest durable patch pump available in the world. And, um, and we think it's going to have a meaningful effect on our business. And that, more importantly, really help improve the lives of people living with diabetes. Okay. And then for a lot to cover there um, with Moby, um, let's stick with Moby for a second. Um, does that use the same control IQ algorithm that the T-Slim does? It does. It turns out that okay. uh, the FDA has um, 
developed a, a, a system called of interoperability, where you can connect a, a, a pump that's used to be interoperable with an algorithm that's interoperable and a CGM that's interoperable with very little regulatory work, as long as these devices have all been designated as interoperable. And so since Control IQ is interoperable, we can use it with any of our pumps and not have to do a clinical study for it. The study has already been done for the algorithm. And so we can implement the algorithm on our pumps as long as they meet that interoperable designation for the pump. And again, it simplifies the, um, the regulatory burden of, of a device like this and just gets, allows us to get products to market quicker. Okay. And so, so you've done the clinical work already when you had it with T-Slim. What did the clinical data look like for Control IQ? It was fantastic. I, I think that um, we have done three clinical studies. We've done a study in adults, a study in adolescents, and just recently we completed one, a study in peds, pe- to, uh, children from two to five years old. Each one of them were published in the New England Journal of Medicine, which is, I, I think, representative of the significance of the data that we, we saw. And we saw in each case, a substantial improvement in time and range. Time and range went from, um, on average with the group, uh, from about low 60s to mid 70s. Um, and then if you look at people who actually manage it carefully, we saw time and range up in the 80s and 90s. And so the clinical data is fantastic. We also have real world data. The product's been on the market for about three years now. And we have uh, you know millions of hours of clinical data on all of these people who have been using the device. And that gives us, uh, we understand how well it performs as well as it gives us information as to how to improve the system over time. Uh, that's great. And then you were just talking earlier about time and range being in that 70 to 180 and 80 to 90 is kind of where regular that's right. patients without diabetes are. So, um, okay. And then the other thing about Moby is it can be worn on the body. Um, and there's another offering in the market that also has an, a, a uh, wearable feature to it. Um, it's disposable though. So how, how does, how does a durable on the body wear compared to kind of that disposable on the body wear? Yeah. Um, kind of, yeah. yeah it's, a good, it's a great question. I, when you, when you consider diabetes, as I said, it's not a one size fits all uh, condition. People want different uh, mechanisms to wear, to control, to wear. They, they just want uh, a diverse, there's a diverse needs out there. And so some people prefer uh, a, a patched design where there's no tube. Others prefer the tube. The tube allows you to, um, it's a lot more flexible. We have multiple infusion sets that um, allow the person to have different cannula materials, different cannula angles, different adhesives, different lengths. And that just gives the person flexibility in terms of where they locate it on their body. And so there's a, there's a group of people out there that certainly want that. There's also people out there that, are, um, that definitely prefer a patch. And so I think as, as this other uh, organization has developed the product with a patch that's an AID solution, they've done quite well. And, and the good news is for diabetes, there are people who would not have otherwise chosen a pump unless it was a patch. And so they're helping bring people from pens and needles, which is suboptimal, to pump therapy, which is a good thing. Um, and it's, again, it kind of fits right into our strategy of having a portfolio of devices. But I think that the, you know, the, oppor- the opportunity is there's a, you get additional flexibility but you have a tube and some people would prefer not to. And, and that's, that's kind of the trade-off between the two. You also can detach a, a, a pump. You can take it off your body and, um, and just take a holiday. For instance, if you take a shower or you want to go swimming in with other people and you don't want them to see, you can just take it off. Um, with the patch, you can't do that. So there's, there's, some, there's some other benefits which we think are, are important. But uh, again, it's really back to whatever the preferences are that people who have diabetes, um, the, how they want to do it. Yeah, it's nice to have that option. Um, so then 
we have Moby. You just received FDA approval last month. How are you planning the commercial rollout? Yeah, it's a great question. We we uh, we got approval, and typically when the FDA uh, reviews the device, they make a lot of suggested improvements or changes to your your documentation, particularly your your manuals, your tra- your training manual. So the first thing we have to do is update the manuals, and then we have to make sure that our sales organization goes out and trains our healthcare providers and their staff on how to use it. And so we're going to spend the next uh, two or three months doing just that, where we're updating all the information based on the changes from the FDA, and we're going to be training the people who are going to use this thing. We want the healthcare providers and their staff to be very comfortable with it, because that you know there's a correlation between willingness to you know to prescribe it and understanding how to use it. Now our devices are very simple and intuitive and easy to use, and so that's not a hard process, but it's still a very important one. So that's kind of step one. Step two is um, we will call it a early access, where we'll have hundreds of users, I will call them friends and family, people who work at Tandem, people who work some, for some of our partners and, and people we know out there in the industry. And we'll, we'll observe the product um, in operation with a higher number of people just to make sure that there's no gotchas out there, things that we hadn't anticipated or didn't catch in our own, um, our own testing. We do a very thorough amount of testing, but you know, there's nothing like having hundreds of people wear this 24 seven for a few months to, to find smaller, more subtle, corner case uh, issues. So we'll we'll observe that. We will improve the, we'll make changes if necessary. Um, otherwise, we would anticipate that probably in the very early part of the first, the first quarter of 2024, we'll move into a commercial readiness stage and we'll begin to sell it. And, you know, we'll, in, in the meantime, we're going to market it between now and then we'll market the device because we want people to be aware of it. Um, but we, you know, the, the real aggressive selling and, uh, and sales commercial processes really won't begin until the first part of next year. Okay. And then um, you also just reported your uh, second quarter results and you updated your outlook um, accordingly to the launch. Um, what, 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 were the, what was the thought process for updating that guidance um, and kind of how, how are you seeing the outlook for the rest of the year and then going into 2024? Yeah. And I, th- I think that, um, you know, it's interesting. Anytime a new product comes to market, uh, people with diabetes really are aware of what's happening from a new product point of view. And when new products come to market, they want to pa- they pause typically. They want to know um, how does it perform? What, what are people saying about it? You know, do I think I'd like it? Um, and if, if they're interested in the product, they'll typically wait until it's available commercially. And so we just got uh, FDA approval. So this is a six month period of time when there's people out there that are probably going to be willing to wait until it's available commercial commercially next year, and see that these are these are people who typically would have purchased a new pump, and when you look at the back half, I mean, uh, diabetes is a very seasonal uh, business, and we see the majority of our business occur in this th- third and fourth quarter, so it's our biggest, you know, the fourth quarter is our biggest quarter, so um, people are going to be aware it's there. We're gonna we're gonna be marketing it because we want everybody to understand, and there's a pausing dynamic that's going to af- affect our business, and so it it creates it creates a great deal of unpredictability. And so rather than try to estimate what's going to happen with sales in this period of unpredictability, we basically established a floor for our guidance, which we think is something we can absolutely achieve. Um, and it's, it's lower than what we had at the beginning of the year. So we, we reduced our guidance. Um, and I think that, uh, again, this is establishing a floor. I think people understand why we did it. Um, I mean, I think the reaction has been reasonably positive as we've done that. Um, and, and now really it just allows the team to focus on the commercial strategy and getting these, getting this product to market. Okay. And then, you know, I, I think of, 
Oh, there's a couple of ways to break out um, diabetic patients, but the one that I'm thinking of for this case, for as we're thinking of guidance and everything, is that you have new patients that are coming on. They use syringes before they're switching to an insulin pump for the first time. Exactly. You have the renewal patients, so they're on tandem already, and they they're going to be renewing. And um, then you got you know patients that are using competitive devices, and they switch over to tandem. How are you prioritizing those three cohorts of patients as you um, get the Mobi launch and just continue to sell your portfolio of T-Slim and Mobi? Right. That's, a, that's, a, that's exactly the situation. So today in the U.S., there's approximately 1.8 million people who have type 1 diabetes. And of that 1.8 million, million people, um, approximately 700,000 use pumps. And so it's about 35 to 40% penetrated, meaning that of the 1.8 million, 35 to 40% use pumps. And if they don't use pumps, they use pens and needles, as we discussed. So um, we believe that with the new technology that we're bringing to market, that our partners are and our competitors are, that number can go grow from 30 to 40, 35 to 40% to 65% in the next three to four years. And so, and that's, so it turns out that the people coming from MDI are a very important part uh, of, of, our, of our revenue stream. I will say that, as I mentioned, uh, as this other patch device came to market in the last year, it has uh, it has taken more share um, than we have in the past than we've seen in the past. And I would say that when it comes to these MDI people coming from you know pens and needles to, to therapy, we would split it 50-50 with this company. And as their patch device came to market, they they've been taking more than that. So uh, so we've been impacted. We think that as we bring these newer devices to market later this year and then 2024, we'll see that return to where it was before. But MDI is a, a significant portion. Then as you said, um, there are competitive products out there that uh, aren't doing as well as the T-Slim X2 with Control IQ. And over the last three or four years, we have been taking share from our competitors as well. And if you look at our total new product starts, it's 50-50, it's been 50-50 MDI and 50-50 competitive pumpers. The, uh, the other area, as you mentioned, is, is renewals. And renewals are people who have been using the pump for four years. Their warranty has expired, and now it's time for them to get an additional pump, a new pump. And it's it's all it's it's uh, for the most part it's reimbursed by insurance. And um, and so we you know we have a goal to convert a, subnor- a substantial portion of them, greater than 70%, into the tandem family one more time. And what we're finding is we're finding that people once they start using our tandem products, they love it. They really believe in it. They trust it. And so we see a very high percentage of people who have used the product over the last four years converting back to tandem. They are renewing to tandem, which is which is great, particularly in a situation where there is this competitive pressure that we know we've been experiencing. So the thing about renewals that's interesting is it basically reflects the growth of the company over the last, you know, five or six, four, four years ago, like five or six years ago, it went from maybe 20,000 new pumps to, to 30 to 50 to 70. So that means that the pool of people who are opportunity for renewals is increasing significantly you know, over time, and it becomes a more and more important part of our revenue stream going forward. And so that's the US. Um, if, you, if you look at the OUS countries, the market space is t- twice the size of the US market in the 25 countries we are in, in the OUS countries, and it's less penetrated. It's only 10 or 15% penetrated. So this same dynamic exists OUS, except it's even a greater opportunity and so while most of our business today is in the U.S., we are absolutely working to get the technology into the U.S. countries and establish our footprint and our organizational infrastructure outside the United States, too. Okay. I mean, so I just want to make sure that I got it right. So the 
1.8 million, give or take, in the U.S. That's type one patients. That's right. And the international, when you said it, it's about twice that, it's, it's about give four, or take, four million. Four million. Yeah. And is that is that just type one patients? Just type one, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so, okay, so we're seeing 35% penetration of 1.8 million in the U.S. You have a little lower penetration rate of that 4 million in the 25 European countries. How how is the type 2 market look compared to that? Because my understanding is that type 2 is much larger, but fewer patients require insulin. Yeah, it's 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 a, a very important part of our longer term strategy. But you're right, people who have type 2, um, their pancreas continues to work, um, but just due to certain conditions for their body, um, they need more insulin than their pancreas can produce. And so certainly there's a there's a, a, a sort of a a, a phase of a, a phase group of a series of things that you do to try to um, reduce the amount of insulin that you need. And, um, you know, so people will go from diet and exercise, they'll go to drugs. And ultimately, if they aren't successful, they'll go to insulin. And um, the insulin process at that point in time is very much like it is for someone with type one. So, but it's, it's different. Again, the, their, their, their pancreas continues to work. They just need more insulin because of the complications in their lives. Um, it's typically somebody who's older, you know, and, and I think that uh, people who are, um, have type two don't necessarily, they, are, they aren't as familiar with the, the technology that's out there uh, because they've been using, they've been doing drug, you know, using drugs and um, maybe pens and needles and uh, they're not as comfortable with it. And so when you look at the market in the US, the, so there's, there's people who have type two, it's, it's a very large number. It's, you know, 20 plus million people in the US with type two. Of that, about 2.3 million people have insulin intensive type two. These are people who need um, insulin every day. And again, they can basically benefit from the same type of therapy that you have uh, with, with uh, people that have type one. And then OUS, it's about 9 million people who are insulin intensive type two. So again, it's a larger market OUS. So, um, you know, right now, uh, Tandem has about 20,000 people who are using our system offline, or uh, excuse me, um, it's it's a, a, a physician has to prescribe it, uh, it, but it's not approved. It's not it's not approved for use with Control IQ yet. We're running a clinical study today to get Control IQ approved for use with Type Two, which is probably about a year away. And once that's once that when that's is when that's been cleared, we'll be working to again market and work with people with Type Two uh, to help uh, to help them understand the benefits of the technology that we've got. But again, it's, it's a larger market. It's a more complicated market for us to address. The needs of the people that have Type 2 are very different. And so the product characteristics and the product performance and things about it will be will be different, although it, it'll deliver insulin the same way. Okay. And then so that the clinical data that or the clinical trial that you currently have running for the Type 2 um, when you say a year from now, is that when enrollment will be complete or do you think you'll get clinical data? I mean, I'm thinking it's August, ADA next year is less than a year away. Is that something where you think there'll be clinical data there or is it, do you think that's too soon? I mean, it's all based on the enrollment. We've been enrolling patients now for a few months. And so mm-hmm. we would hope that uh, at, a, at worst case, by the end of the year, we'd f- be fully enrolled. And then, you know, mid-year next year, maybe maybe the third quarter will be complete with the study, uh, submit the data to the FDA. So it's likely to be more of a 2025 approval. Um, okay. And th- and this is just, uh, I mean, all of the companies say that have AID systems, their algorithms are not approved for type two. So we're working with this and our competitors are as well. And we're well, roughly in the same 
place timing wise to make these these uh, algorithm improvements available to type two community in, in that same time frame. Okay, and so once once the approval takes place between the two cohorts, you you mentioned that you know it's it delivers the insulin the same way. Um, but does the business model differ between those two cohorts at all? Is it, or is it the doctor with type one patient says you're using insulin, take a pump. They say the same thing for type two, or is there a different kind of, um, model there? Yeah, it is. It's going to be different. Um, I would say that, uh, today, um, the type two patients are, are initially handled with, um, uh, uh, p- p- people who are, um, PCPs, you know, physicians and just general practitioners, but general practitioners, as opposed to endocrinologists. Ultimately, they end up with endocrinologists, but they kind of go through that early phase of management with PCPs. And so, um, you know, that's that's a, a different organization that we'd have to sell to. You know, so that's there's a there's a change that's required to support that difference. Um, I would also say that uh, people with type two are probably going to want to get their um, this the simplicity of the process that. They actually get access to the technology. Right now, we sell our pump through the DME channel, um, and I think that there's an opportunity, I think, for us to convert that over to the pharmacy channel. Pharmacy channels is an easier access, and it's something we think is important um, for, for, for our, our type two strategy, and certainly something that we're looking at as well. Um, and then, as I said, I think that the the device itself is um, it's going to be different. The user interface is going to be much simpler. Um, I think there's there's a lot of things about type one that require um, I guess flexibility. There's just opportunities to make changes and do things, you know, that are more specific to the individual. It's not as uh, there's not as much of that with people who have type two. And so I think that you know simplicity in the user interface and simplicity in the the way the per- person interacts with the pump is going to be very very important. So there's a number of things in terms of design, access, and and then you know the, the people who we actually sell to. Um, that will change as we begin to roll out our type two strategy. Okay. And then we also just talked about the international market, um, lower penetration. So it seems like there's a larger opportunity there. Um, kind of just answered my own question a little bit, but what are some of the opportunities in those countries? Uh, and then kind of what are some of the hurdles or makes it different than, you know, selling it in the U S markets? It's typically a country by country approval. That's one of the things that you've got to do. And then you have to go through reimbursement um, organizations in each of these countries as well. And, and typically, um, as, as opposed to working with, the, in the United States, you're working with these large insurance providers to get approval and get payment. Um, you have to do that with, with tenders where you're actually negotiating with the, the countries to, on the price, et cetera, for, for the products. So that, that's a big difference. Um, I would say that when it comes to the actual user, the person who's going to ultimately benefit from the technology, it's very similar to here in the States. People really haven't had access to technology. And I think that as they see the improvements that are coming to the devices here in the States, they're very interested and very excited. And so I think that uh, there's three or four really big markets um, where they're relatively low penetrated. There are, interestingly enough, the Scandinavian countries have penetration rates that are probably even higher than they are here in the States. So uh, there's there's that dynamic as well, but uh, you know, I think it's just uh, it's 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 basically focusing on the people who are living with diabetes, making sure that the products that we're developing are there as quickly as we can get them there, because we believe that they'll be just as compelling, and we'll see just as much uptake 
um, when they're in those markets because it really, again, it reduces the, the burden of diabetes and improves the therapeutic outcomes and the quality of life goes up substantially when people use these things and everybody uh, and everybody wants that. Yeah, no, definitely. I, w- I would if I was uh, having if I was a diabetic patient. Um, but moving on, we you know we kind of highlighted, glossed over some of the other products and developments that's going on at Tandem. Um, let's just start with you know Moby itself, and I guess also even T Slim, because you know you have G seven compatibility, the CGM from Dexcom. You also have CGM compatibility with Libre coming up, and then you also talked about tubeless infusion sets and. If I did my reading correct, there was an adhesive patch that was going to be coming out. So what's kind of the order of those um, new developments going out with Moby and T-Slim? Great question. So uh, today we are... We, we have the T-Slim that's integrated with the Dexcom G6. That's, that's uh, you know, probably the... Um, that was their previous version of the sensor generation. It's an excellent product. It's been on the market for several years. Uh, and they've just gone to a, a G7 sensor, their next generation. The, the next generation sensor is it's got a, a big change to its profile. It's about the size of a quarter, um, whereas the G6 is just a little bit bigger, and it also warms up much faster. So a lot of benefits for the person with diabetes to use the G7. And we've been working with uh, Dexcom now for seven or eight years. This will be our fourth sensor integration, and we have a great relationship with that company. I think that today it's fair to say that all the companies out there that have AID systems are using Dexcom sensors. Um, the Abbott, Abbott Libre sensor, there's Libre 2 and Libre 3, was just recently approved by the FDA for use in an AID system. And so our, our vision is basically there's people out there that want access to Dexcom, and there's people out there that want access to Abbott. We want to provide choice. We want to be Switzerland. You know, we, of course, don't want to get into the, any of the dynamic between those two companies, but we do want our, our you know, users to have choice. And so we've been working with both, and we are going to be bringing um, uh, the G7 to market here in the next month or so. We'll have the G7 on the market. And so if you use a tandem pump today, you can actually get into it, or it's, let's just say when the G7 is available, you'll be able to choose between a G6 or a G7 sensor. And then when the Libre comes to market, you'll be able to choose between G6, G7, Libre 2, Libre 3. And so again, it's it's a, it's a simple process to actually you know integrate with that sensor, but choice is hugely important for us. And um, and we expect those center sensor integrations to start here, you know, the later in the third quarter, and they'll continue through the fourth quarter, and then we'll be moving those sensor integrations to the OUS countries also. It's a, it's a big deal. People really do um, want to see the advancements. So, you know, as I, I've said, that, you know, these things are are they're all improvements to what's available today. And the thing about Abbott is all the Abbott customers that are out there today that use their sensor don't have access to pump therapy. So this is really the first time that uh, those people will have access to pump therapy. So, so it's a it's a large untapped market. And so it's a large growth opportunity for us here in the States as well as the OUS countries. And it represents a, you know, a big opportunity for us over, over the next three or four years. Yeah, because Abbott's got what, over 4 million patients using their CGMs? Yeah, worldwide. And I think that there's yeah. 300 plus thousand people in the U.S. that have type 1 that use their sensor. So there's there's a lot of people that actually are out there. And I think, it, as I said, it's an opportunity for us to work directly with them. And we're going to be first to market with all of these sensors. We're going to um, you know, beat the competition in that regard. And that gives us a first mover advantage. And so you know, it's, it's great that we're going to be able to provide choice and, um, and get people 
give people access to this new technology that's going to continue to improve their lives. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's funny that we're, you know, Moby just launched, but I'm already going to say what's next. Um, and, you know, you talked about Siggy, but is there another durable pump that's going to be the next generation of T-Slim? Yeah, we, we believe that uh, we're going to, I mean, ultimately we believe we need to have T-Slim, Moby and Siggy on the market all at the same time because they all provide uh, benefits to these unique segments of people in diabetes. And, you know, T-Slim now has been on the market for about 10 years. And while we've made improvements to it over that time frame, you know, there's a lot of technology changes that have occurred in that time frame. So we're, we're doing a technology upgrade basically on T-Slim because we want it to be available for the next 10 years. So uh, T-Slim X3 is the next device that'll come to market. I can tell you that uh, historically, Tandem has introduced a new product every 12 to 18 months. And so we would expect in that time frame, we'd expect to see T-Slim X3. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be lighter. It'll be uh, uh, wirelessly charged. Uh, it'll have more memory. It'll have uh, it'll be you know sort of faster processors. Um, it'll be you'll be able to upload all the software on it remotely as opposed to having to connect it to a computer. Um, and all of our systems, by the way, are they're updatable. So all of the software on all of our pumps are updatable. And the benefit of that is that as we improve the technology in time. For, for instance, if we add improvements to the algorithm that, that manages your diabetes, we make those available to all of our in-warranty customers for free. Um, and we think that's that's a, you know, that's, that's a big benefit. It also is an incentive to stay in warranty. Um, and I think that, uh, that, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you buy a phone and a week later they come out with a new one and then you're kind of bummed out. You just bought the old one and you didn't wait. Well, we make that available to people for free. And I think that sort of addresses the concern that they may have about the changes in the technology. Yeah. Yeah. And then Siggy is also going to be a wearable, right? Siggy is going to be a, it's going to be a full patch device. Full patch device. Okay. And then it also is going to be the first device that you have that's going to be able to use pre-filled insulin um, yeah. cartridges. That's correct. Um, how, that, that sounds like that's a potential game changer because I feel like it's a nuisance to have to fill the, the cartridge manually. Um, so just am I thinking that the right way or and then kind of what's the timeline for kind of getting those pre-filled cartridges to yeah. the US because they're not approved in the US, right? That's right. So it's a you're right. It's 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 like it takes a second. It takes literally you take it off, pull it out, you put a new one, get one out of your refrigerator, you put it in, you put it back together, you put it on. And so it's it's a very quick and convenient process. Um, it, with the T-Slim today, it takes several minutes to load your cartridge. With the Moby, we've made improvements to that, so it takes about a minute to load the cartridge. So, but it is it's it's a it's a nuisance, and I think that um, the simpler it is, the better, and that's essentially where we're going. The other thing that's very important about our products is they're all rechargeable. We do not throw these devices away, and we don't want to. We think it's an environmental problem, and I think that as as you know the environment becomes increasingly important, but you know we think that sustainability and rechargeability is you know it's a it's a, a differentiating point of our business and so you know t-slim is rechargeable moby will rechar be rechargeable and uh while siggy is a patch it will also be rechargeable and so um i think this is just it's the it's that we don't want to throw away several batteries and integrated circuits every three days and i think that uh, it gives us advantages as well in the manufacturing process and the design process that uh enable improved performance and other things with the product in time. 
Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting talk, moving to manufacturing because it's, you know, you, you, you highlight a portfolio of products you're going to have when they're all out. You're going to have Moby, you're going to have X3, you're going to have Siggy, you're going to have multiple infusion sets, including a tubeless infusion set. Um, you have to, let's put on your COO hat again from a few years ago. And what investments are being made for manufacturing to be able to handle all that capacity? It's, it's, a, great, it's a great point. It turns out the process required to build the pump, it's, uh, it's semi-automated. It doesn't require a lot of space. Uh, it doesn't require a lot of expensive equipment. We have a, a sort of a cadre of subcontractors that build components. We bring the components to San Diego. We assemble test load software, and then we'll ship the device. It's not unlike what we're going to do for all of our products. Um, I think that that, so there's, there's efficiency that's just built into the design. We have pods where we will, you know, add a pod, make sure it's fully utilized, add another one if necessary, but they're very efficient. The, the same thing goes for the, uh, for the cartridge. The, the, the cartridge is a disposable device that's used. It can, it contains the insulin and it's, it's disposed of every three days and it's a, it's, it's plastic. And what we do with those is they're, they're built using automated equipment, fully automated. And it's the same concept where we have um, we have capacity that are in pods. We utilize the pod, and um, you know we make sure that it's highly efficient before we add another one. And um, we've got good experience doing this. And so you know it's you know I, I can I can see why people would think it's more complex. I mean we're definitely adding multiple products simultaneously. But when you look at some of the large manufacturing companies, this is something that they do every day. And you know I think that we've got a very capable team that has a lot of experience in high volume manufacturing, also in lower volume efficiency based manufacturing, and um, and our engineers really designed for manufacturability um, from the beginning. So it's something that um, you know we definitely recognize that uh, it's it's uh, something we have to be wary of and careful about. But um, I will say that every single new product we bring to market as well. It's uh, we're making it for a lower cost than the one that was there before. So as we bring new products to market, it's also going to favorably affect gross margin, um, which is something that we've, we're, we're driving to. And um, and so I think we feel good about it. Now, again, we have the right team to make these things happen. OK. And so just with the product mix, it's Moby is going to have a higher margin profile than T-Slim and then Siggy will have a higher one than Moby. Exactly. Yeah, that's OK. Yeah. And then the then the infusion set you mentioned we have infusion sets as well that we're bringing to market. They will also have higher margins as well. So you know we have goals of getting to 65% gross gross margin in the next three to four years. We're in the mid 50s today. Much of that improvement comes from the fact that we've got these newer products that have higher margins. Okay, I think yeah. That, I mean, it sounds like you got you have a two to three to four year plan down the horizon. Um, yep. So yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, as we kind of end this episode. I'm just thinking now of the history of Tandem. And if I did my math right, um, it's been 10 years since you joined Tandem. And I mean, from what I've seen historically, there has been a whole roller coaster of events um, within the competitive, competitive landscape from T-Slim to a competitor launching their 670G to you having Basil IQ and Control IQ to now Omnipod 5 and now you launching Moby. Um you also talked about how Kim was a mentor to you. Um, and I met Kim when I was a very lowly associate in my sell side days. And I still thought he was a great man and everything. He is a great man. Uh, um, if, as you become a mentor for people below you, what is the best advice or feedback you can give 
into how to steer through such market volatility? Yep, it's a great question. You know, I think that um, there's several things that are really important to me. And I think that the first is being mission driven, making sure that as an organization, every single person is focused on, you know, just delivering the best product and the best service and the best experience to people living with diabetes. Our, our whole company is all about improving people's lives. And I think that when you're, when you're very, very focused on that, um, it's, it's easier to make decisions and, um, and, and they become, again, they become clear, I think, as you're f- confronted with different problems. So I think that having that mission-driven culture, and that's something that Kim absolutely established. We have a, we are totally mission-driven, and we have a, a great culture as well. We're collaborative. We work in teams. We don't take shortcuts. You know, it's all about substance, not style. Many people come to work in flip-flops and shorts and and uh, and t-shirts, and that's just that's the way we are. If you're more comfortable doing that. That's fine. You know, if, if business people are coming in, and that's well, you you know, you may have to wear a, a collared shirt that day, but you know, I think that that's just the way it is, and you know, it's. We have a, a great culture and people love it. And so I think that, you know, so it's really this mission-driven culture as well as the people. Having great people, is the, that's, the, that's the reason we've been able to do this. We've had great people that stand up and feel really committed to what we're trying to do, accomplish as a company. And so when we've, when we've had these difficult times, you know, people buckle down, we focus on what's most important and then we just get it done. And, um, and that's how we've gotten through uh, we, we've been lucky. Also, there's been things that have happened, of course, that we didn't anticipate that fell in our favor. Um, and so that's always good. But I think that, you know, culture that's focused on, you know, your priorities as well as great people, that's how you navigate these difficult times. And, you know, that's that's how we've gotten through it. And we have a great team. And, you know, I, I might be the CEO, but listen, I'm, I represent, you know, a team of people that we work together and there's, you know, we all have our own ideas and we work together to make uh, strong decisions as a team. Well, that's fascinating to hear. And John, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how this, you navigate the team through the next 12, 18 months. And I hope to have you on again sometime to see how the Moby launch is going. Yeah, that'd be um, great. And so John, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely, Matt. It's great talking to you. Thank you very much. And Thank you to those listening in, and um, we hope that you join us again for another episode. Take care. countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.